welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Changing the Game with Digital Selling, presented by SAP, the best run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to transform industries. And importantly, they'll discuss how these technologies and strategies can shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is season six of one of our longest-running series here on Game Changers, and you all know the drill. If you want to run with the game changers, you're in the right place because this is where the best run. I have two opening buzz quotes. One, the first one is from contentcreationmarketing.com. That gives you a clue about our topic today. Let me read this one. Here's the quote. Digital selling makes so much sense and seems so easy. Just find useful content, add valuable personal insights, and share it with the right people to build relationships. One, two, three. But creating a repeatable digital selling strategy requires more. As Stephen Walsh explains on The Knowledge Enthusiast, in practice, it takes time and focus to build a digital selling habit. Finding that content is all about useful content curation. How can you become a great content curator? Let that sink in for a second while I read the second quote. This is from a source called QUUU.co slash blog. And here we go. In a 2017 contentmarketinginstitute.com survey, 49% of B2B marketers, that's one point shy of 50%, identified content creation as one of the challenges that contribute to the stagnation of their content marketing efforts. Uh Uh-oh, content curation is a powerful tool for growing your customer base while saving time, we all want to do that, and saving money on quality content creation. Getting more done with less is what every business strives to achieve, irrespective of its size. So you know what we're talking about today. I have three experts on the panel today. We're going to be speaking again. They've all been on with me several times. Jason Taylor at Grapevine 6, and I'm on Zoom. And Jason, you can wave if you want for the camera. There we go. Brandon Bernanson at Seamless.ai. Hello, Brandon. And Marco Arguez at SAP. And Marco doesn't have a live camera, so we've got this wonderful picture of him looking very uh, erudite, holding his glasses, and he's smiling, so we know he's smiling. So welcome to our panel. The topic today is secrets to great content curation and creation for digital selling, how and why. And all I can say is, it's not going to be a secret anymore. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, and we are so happy to have you around the world listening to us. Shout out to Kirsten Boyleau at SAP in Canada for sponsoring the series and to A.J. Arif, our good friend who puts together these shows for us. A.J., you always do a wonderful job. Let's go around the table and have my panelists introduce themselves and tell you why they think they're so smart about this topic. Jason Taylor, welcome back. And you're up. Take about two and a half minutes. Tell us, what do you do? Remind us about Grapevine 6, good friend of the show. And what's your passion for the topic? Jason. Well, thank you for having me, Bonnie. It's a pleasure to be back. Um, Kirsten, A.J., giving you guys a shout out as well. Hopefully, I can come back to uh, to the Toronto area so I can take you guys out for, for a drink um, sometime soon. Um, I work for Grapevine 6. We're a digital selling platform. We actually aid in content curation. We, we source content from over 10,000 sources, and we align that with each individual uh, that uses the platform. So uh, I'm director of sales partnerships. I've been running social selling, digital selling programs for a good part of the decade, so about eight, nine years. Uh, ran programs at Microsoft with SAP, Mitel, Shortel, um, and most recently working at Grapevine 6, 
I work heavily in the regulated space. So we work with a lot of banks, a lot of financial advisors, wealth managers, insurance companies. Um, excited to talk about this because this is what I, I eat, sleep, and breathe is content curation. So um, happy to be here. And, and Brandon and Marco, I know you guys both, Marco, it's been a little while. Uh, same with Brandon, but excited to be back on the show with you guys. Thank you very much. Jason, quick question for you. Curation versus creation. Is that like a build it or a buy it, which is a big software question very often. Company, should we build it in-house or should we get it in the cloud? Should we subscribe to it? Should we lease it? Should we buy it? Should we bring in our own developers? What's your take? Just, just quickly, curation or creation for most of marketing content? What's your thought? I, I think it, it needs to be both. There needs to be a good mix. I think curation is the majority of the mix because I think um, having someone else's perspective, having a third party shed light on something that you're you know, looking to be a thought leader in is very important. Um, and it takes time for you to build credibility so that when you do end up creating a piece of content, uh, people will actually listen to it. And I'm, I'm talking about much more you know, the individual marketing or the digital selling side of the house. I mean, uh, when it comes to an actual marketing team, you know, there's some marketing teams that that, that their full-time job is just to create content. Um, but it just needs to be a good mix. Thank you. And I think when I opened the show with two quotes, I was a content curator, wasn't I, Jason? <laughs> you were. I I and I do that. My buzz is always, I never thought about it. I'm a content curator. I research, I search, and then I curate and bring those. I never thought of it that way. I'm a content curator. Wow. And now that I'm over my excitement about that, Brandon, please welcome to you, Brandon. Welcome back. And please tell us, remind us in case there are 1.5 people in the world who don't remember who you are. Shame on them. Brandon, who are you and what's your passion for the topic? Welcome. Hey, everyone. Thanks for, for having me on the show, Bonnie, SAP, and, and great to connect, Jason and Marco. Brandon Bernanson, CEO and founder of Seamless.ai. We help nearly 100,000 salespeople and marketers find emails and phone numbers for anyone in the world uh, using artificial intelligence. And then also, I'm the 16-time the author of Seven Figure Sales System in my most recent book, Seven Figure Social Selling. I love content creation. I love curation. Both are critical to success. And uh, excited to just share anything I've learned along the way from selling $100 million in sales for IBM and Google to building a startup to writing 16 books and a number one bestseller. What's your thought, Brandon? Cura creation versus curation. That turns out to be a tongue twister when you're on live radio. What do you think? So I love to create every day. I think consistency is, is key. The daily consistent, persistent pursuit to maximize your potential and that requires daily creation. And then once you create every day, you could curate. So I agree with Jason, you have to do both and it's just a habit that you have to create almost like uh, working out or going to the gym or eating healthy. It's like something that you have to do every single day. Thank you, good overview, appreciate that. And Marco, with your wonderful poster review, I love the glasses, what a great, I'm gonna call it a business glamour shot, Marco. Those of you who are <laughs> listening can't see it, but it's a real, if you see the promo, the e-card I send out, and you go to the website for this series, you'll see a picture of Marco holding the glasses. Marco, welcome back, and we'd love to see the expression on your face, but the static smile will do. Marco, please reintroduce yourself to the audience, and what's your passion and your take? Create or curate? What do you say, Marco? Absolutely. Hello, everybody. Jason, Bonnie, Brandon, hello. 
And uh, well, what I do in the CP is, is working as global channel marketing uh, as head of digital and social selling for and with our channel partners. So I am in touch with thousands of companies, small and medium businesses that are actually trying to social sell and find new customers, leveraging digital means. And certainly, sharing content is one of the main techniques that are critical to succeed while you position yourself to those customers and definitely start uh, business conversations in the best way. So uh, that's what passionates me. But uh, I, I like to develop business. I like my partners to succeed. And definitely, as I said, a critical for succeed is definitely get the right content, expose that content to your audiences and become a top leader that can establish better conversations, business conversation with customers and prospects, right? Uh, content curation or creation, it depends. If you have skills, <laughs> definitely you have to create your own content as, as Brandon that has a book, right? <laughs> but to be honest, not all the people has the skills to really create its own content in a good quality manner. So a good mix is the best option always. I, I agree as well with, with Jason. If you have skills, write your own content and share it because it's going to position yourself and it's going to grow your personal brand even better. But if you can't, you, if you don't have time, much better to leverage and curate content that somebody else is producing, but that still is relevant to your audience. So, both of them, it depends on what you want to achieve. Thank you very much. I think the show's over. We already have the point. No, we're good. We're going to go for the secrets and the tips and the tricks and the strategies. Thank you, gentlemen. That was a wonderful overview. And I, we heard that passion and that engagement. This is the part of the show where I have asked my panelists in advance to send me a quote, not in their own words, and not specifically on our topic. And they're go I'll read the little background on the attribution. And I'll read the quote and I'll ask each of them to explain how they found it, how they picked it, and why it is relevant to our show today in their own words. So Jason Taylor has sent us a quote from TR, Teddy Roosevelt. Theodore Roosevelt Jr. lived from 1858 to 1919, a.k.a. TR, was an American statesman, politician, conservationist, nationalist, and writer, naturalist, and writer. I love the way they have all of these things that they've done, Jason. Our bios today, we don't string together words like that. We give long story. We're all storytelling. But if you, if you took exactly what you did, you could probably describe your life in about two sentences, and it would be good. He served as the 26th president of the U.S. from 1901 to 1909, the 25th vice president from March to September, very brief, in 1901, as the 33rd governor of New York from 1899 to 1900, and assistant secretary of the Navy. Does anybody know who is the fourth face on Mount Rushmore? No jokes, please. We know it's George Washington. We know it's Thomas Jefferson. We know it's Abraham Lincoln. Do we now know who the fourth face is? Surprisingly, it's Theodore Roosevelt. He's the fourth face on Mount Rushmore. Not exactly in the sequence of early founders, but there he is. Here's the quote Jason Taylor has selected from Teddy Roosevelt. It is hard to fail, but it is worse never to have tried to succeed. Jason, how'd you find this one? Um, so I'm a big conservationist, outdoorsman. Uh, so I'm a big fan of Teddy Roosevelt. And one of my closest friends, he lives in my neighborhood. He's a college roommate of mine. I uh, just had a, a boy and named him Theodore. Um, so that's kind of what really pushed me to it. Uh, it but I, I have a lot of respect for, for Teddy Roosevelt um, and the history behind everything he's done. Um, the quote itself, it's really just, you have to get out there and try. Like you have to just go do, 
and in content creation. And I've said this before, Brandon does a great job. Like he is making videos like daily, like he's all over the place. Everywhere I look, I see, I see something, an image as, as he said, is like the first time someone wakes up, the first thing they're going to see is like a video of Brandon talking about, you know, going into his office with all of his employees working out at 5am. Um, it's really important just to get out there. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. And, and through time, you will hone your skill. You'll build credibility. You can start to create long form pieces of content, you know, that are, that are really heavy hitting and, and helps to kind of build and sustain that, that thought leadership. And, and at that point, everyone's bad at first. Like the first video I did 30 views, like this book is 700 pages long in print. It's like 400. We had to cut it down, but like, you know, but first it was a short little post on LinkedIn and it got, you know, 50 views. And then you do a little bit more and you do a little bit more. And then year after year after year, it just builds up and you get, you get so good at it because you, you don't quit. So I love that quote, Jason. That's awesome. Yeah. That you just explained what that quote meant to me. Just like get out there and, and go try and do it. And, and we know in recent years, the big, big, well, especially now in the pandemic, anybody can use, can video on a smartphone, right? You don't need to be in a big TV studio. You don't need to be makeup and cameras and lighting checks. You just do it. We've talked about this on this series, on other SAP Game Changer series, that anybody can be with a little practice. You can be in front of the camera. You can certainly be holding the camera on your phone, on your tablet, whatever. And perfection is no longer the goal. The goal, as you both said, is be out there. By the way, we're already jumping ahead to the roundtable and giving away the secrets of curation <laughs> and creation. So let's focus on the quotes. I want to make sure we get them all in here. So I'm going to Brandon and Brandon says, has, has sent us a quote from Rocky of Rocky Balboa, 2006 Rocky Balboa, 2006 American sports drama film written, directed and starring Sylvester Stallone. It featured him as the underdog boxer Rocky Balboa. It's a sequel to the 1990 film Rocky V and the sixth installment in the series that began with the Academy Award winning Rocky 30 years earlier. You know, he started that in 1976. Oh my goodness. This one portrays him as aging. Oh, poor Sly. In retirement, a widower in Philadelphia and the owner of a local Italian restaurant called Adrian's, I think I did that right, named after his late wife. The film actually did better than box office expected and better than the critics expected. And it was followed by, anybody know what the spinoff was? Name of the spinoff? Was that Creed? Yes, it was Creed. Creed was 2015 and 2018 Creed 2. That was the franchise continues. Here's the quote. I'm, I'm going to try not to do it in that voice, Brandon, but forgive me if I do. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. Is that awful or what? Brandon, rescue I me here. On. Yeah, I, I, thought, I literally thought I was in the room with Sylvester Stallone right there. Uh, but, but, you know, maybe it's Bonnie. Maybe it's Sylvester. I don't know. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, I even started to bounce back. <laughs> so, so I love this quote, especially now with, with the economy being as crazy as it is. Uh, you, everything we do, and it's very similar to Jason's, like we're, we're going to be bad at first and everyone overestimates what they can do in a day and underestimates what they can do in a week. They overestimate what they can do in uh, a month and they underestimate what they can do in a year. So we're just going to, you know, anything that you want to accomplish in this world it's going to take an insane amount of effort, time, sacrifice, tenacity, and you have to just already assume in advance before you try content creation, curation, sales, marketing, entrepreneurship, anything, you're going to fail 
10 times more than you originally anticipated. And if you're just prepared for that, you're able to fail forward, you're able to get hit and keep going and no, you know, no failure holds you back from just continuing on your, your goal, your, your, your track to your goal. And that's why I love that quote. Uh, too many people quit too early because they underestimate the amount of time, effort, capital, and work and failure that's going to stand in their way from where they're at today to accomplishing their goal. Brandon, question for you. Failure, great in a vacuum, in a bubble. But when you're out there on social media, we know that amplification is instantaneous and it's harsh sometimes. And you can do a lot of damage. I'm not saying don't try, but I'm looking for your point of view. I'm going to ask you in a second. So you put something on Twitter, you put something on LinkedIn, you put something on Instagram, Pinterest, wherever your channel is, Facebook, LinkedIn, and you get a lot of negative reviews. People will remember that. Is bouncing back the key to getting it right? And I think there's a famous I know it was Einstein quote or Alexander Graham Bell. I have not failed 9,999 9, times. I succeeded the 10,000th time. So I spent 9,999 times trying to succeed, something like that. So how harsh is it in our hypercritical, hyper instantaneous world of feedback? Brandon, just a quick response. What do you think? I, I think using authenticism in, in your communication is critical. So uh, I pitched 337 venture capitalists to fund my startup and 297 of them told me no. Yesterday I was nominated as one of the top CEOs in Ohio and I got the email that I wasn't selected. I literally took the screenshot of the email, posted it on LinkedIn. And I said, hey, never quit. And literally, you, know, you see the email, Brandon, you are not selected. You've been nominated. You don't win the award. And it, I, I think it's cool to own your failure. Everyone like runs into obstacles, failures, losses, and it's better to, to just own it and share it. And it makes you 10 times more relatable to everyone out there because we're all losing in this battle to win the game of life. And uh, people can relate to other people who uh, go through ups and downs. Thank you. That was a phenomenal answer. And I love the idea of posting the rejection. Very, very interesting and bouncing back and saying, hey, I'm a real person. I'm not a cardboard perfect something. I'm not a cyborg. I'm not an AI robot who does everything right. Even Now everyone knows I didn't win the CEO nomination, but it's okay. Life goes on. Well, we're very proud of you that you were nominated and you were in the running and that you were you just got there. That's the that's the key. It's you were in you're in the game and you were part of something exciting. So Congratulations on being part of that, Brandon. There awesome. we go. Giving you kudos for that. Let's move on to Marco's quote. Marco has sent us a quote from, oh, this is an interesting one. It's in, I think it's in Latin. Uh, the quote is from Seneca the Younger from Epistle 2, and this is from number two, Discursiveness in Reading, Lucius Aeneas Seneca. 4 BC to 65 AD. He bridged over into that change of years. A.K. Seneca the Younger was a Roman Stoic philosopher. Here we go with the list. A philosopher, a statesman, a dramatist, and a satirist from the Silver Age of Latin literature. He was exiled to the island of Corsica under Emperor, Cla Emperor Claudius, but they let him come back in 49 AD to tutor Nero. Nero became the emperor in 54. Seneca became his advisor. 
But Seneca's influence declined, and guess what? Seneca was forced to commit suicide. He was forced to take his own life. But he was so graceful and calm and stoic about his suicide that people have painted versions of that. The important thing is he wrote philosophical works, tragic plays, essays, 124 letters dealing with moral issues, considered now one of the most important bodies of primary material for ancient Stoicism, and Medea was one of his tragedy plays he wrote. Here is the quote in Latin, distringit liborum multitudo. I think my Rocky impersonation was better. Here's the quote in English in a loose translation, and in reading of many books is distraction. Oh, Marco, rescue me, please. What do you say? Why'd you pick this one? Thanks, Mary. Well, first, because I, I love the black humor of Seneca. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> this is the guy that says that luck is what happens when preparation meets opportunity. He's the same guy. But, well, particularly, I like the, the previous quote for several reasons. I, I definitely believe that creating and sharing content today is easier than ever, right? We have access to more information that we can digest and even what we need. And I suppose that the same thing happened uh, to him in the Silver Age of Latin literature, right? And that's why the, the quote made, made sense to me. But today, compared to the, to the Silver Era, there's a little difference. At that time, you really needed knowledge, skills, and access to materials to, to produce and share content. And today, everyone, anyone, even without the skills of knowledge, can do it. And, and not for nothing, uh, the term fake news has been created, right? So I like the, the quote basically because it is like a memory of quality over quantity, which is much more relevant and real today than ever, right? Uh, if we are sharing content, if we're positioning ourselves as thought leaders, definitely we want to do it in the right way, right? It's easy to share, but let's be smart and wise in what we share. Thank you very much. I, I'm admiring, Marco, of your, your knowledge of Seneca and your appreciation of him. And I think you've sent me quotes from him before on shows in the past. And I said, ah, it's Marco. He's back. And so is Seneca. So thank you for that. Thank you all to the three of you for your thoughtful selections of quotes. We appreciate that. And now it's time for us to launch into our in earnest our roundtable. So my panelists have each sent me four statements on what's top of mind for them on our topic of content curation and creation, the how and the why for digital selling. Jason Taylor at Grapevine 6 is up first. And Jason, I'm going to read just a little bit from your first statement. And we have two ways of doing this. Let me take a quick vote around the panel. I can have you each do one statement and explain it and then go to the next one, or we can do a agree, disagree around the table. But since the topic is the secrets to content creation and curation or creation and con and curation and creation, I'm getting all tangled up here, we could just cover as many as we can and make the comments as a sidebar if you want to. So what do you think? Should we see how many we can cover? I'm looking for a, a yes or a no. Jason, yeah. you good with that? Yeah. Randy, you good? Marco, good? Let, let's go. All right. So I'll pick one from each of you and let's go around the table. If you have something urgent to say about the one that you just heard, say before I say I talk about mine and that, let's do that. I think that'd be interesting for the audience because we want to deliver these secrets. They're not secrets anymore. Jason Taylor, number one, says, know your audience. Curate content that your audience will find important or useful and repositioning that in a way that serves both your organization and your audience. Jason, you're up. Take about two minutes, two and a half minutes, and then I'll pick one from Brandon and one from Marco. Go ahead, Jason. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty simple. Uh, you should know who you're talking to. Just like when I'm in preparation, you know, I, I do a lot of the enterprise sales for the organization. Um, when I'm in preparation for a meeting, uh, I, I go and I, I research who I'm talking to. 
I need to know what lines of business are going to be in the room. If there's going to be the compliance department, legal, who, who am I talking to? Marketers, sales leadership. Uh, so in it, much, much like in my preparation for my presentations live, you know, to pitch my software, um, that's the way I, I approach social. So the folks that I'm connected with, uh, you know, through LinkedIn and my professional network, I have a good idea of, of what they are interested in. Um, and also I like to be authentic in, in uh, my, my, my publishing of content. And I try to post content that is interesting to me as well because people that are in my LinkedIn network are connected to me for some form or fashion, whether it's through technology, through personal interests. Um, you know, there's a, a bunch of different stuff, but there's a lot of things that you can do. Uh, one of the main things that I would say uh, it's just an action item that everyone that's listening should be doing is go on LinkedIn and follow some hashtags that are relevant to what it is you do. Um, just, just so you can follow in line with that bucket of content that people are talking about or follow that conversation, I should say. Uh, but yeah, I, I just do some research, understand who you're speaking to and position content uh, to, to best reflect what you think their interests are. One question for you before I move on to Brandon. Jason, does it also mean finding out where the people you want to follow and you want to follow you, what their favorite platforms are and how often, how do you know if somebody wants to get three posts a day from you or five posts a day or one a week? Is that part of the mix of knowing your audience frequency? Uh, yeah, somewhat. I mean, and it's different on platforms, like per platform, but yes, understanding which platforms your audience is on. If I'm selling computer software, I'm probably not going to be, you know, selling software on my personal Facebook profile. Uh, but I do have an opportunity with Facebook business pages. Um, I use Twitter a lot as well. Uh, LinkedIn is the, is the primary driving factor behind digital selling in, in my realm. But if it's consumer packaged goods that I'm selling, it's a whole different thing. Like if I'm selling to consumers, I would be tapping into that more personalized Instagram, uh, you know, those types of platforms. Um, but yeah, understanding exactly like what the demographic is, just like when I'm creating a buyer persona for a sales uh, campaign, uh, it's, it's the same idea. Thank you very much. Let's move on. Brandon Bornanson, I'm looking at your statement number one. This is interesting. You say, and this is in a way a continuation of, of what Jason was talking about. You say, study the leaders in your industry, not just their mannerisms, but their marketing. Create swipe files of all the best content in your space. I'm going to let you finish this thought. Brandon, what are we talking about here? Yeah, this is all about ways to, to curate content. Um, you know, my, you, what, Tony Robbins says, you know, if, if you want to be successful, just model after those that have achieved the level of success that, that you want to achieve. So if you see people out there being successful in your industry or across different groups, you know, follow them, uh, swipe their files, swipe their social media posts or LinkedIn posts. When I say swipe, I mean like, you know, share it, copy it, rewrite it, redistribute it, you name it. And use that as inspiration for curating content and even as inspiration to create content. So when I was writing this, this book, I would, you know, I would see a million different ideas that I would come up with and then that other people would come up with. And I'd put it on a Slack channel and then boom, good to go. Rewrite, write, distribute, share ideas in the book, you name it, and all over LinkedIn. So that's really what that, that post means. You follow the, the top people in the space and then see what they're doing to share and create your own. 
Brandon, please define top people in the space. Are those the ones who do the most marketing, the most posts, who get the most likes? How do you define top? I think that's subjective and I'd love to know. I would define top as like your top prospects and customers, potential ideal customers as, as one list. And then the other list is being the, the top influencers uh, and thought leaders that are in your industry in the space. Because eventually if you want to become a thought leader, try to learn, follow, model yourself after the people who are achieving that level of success uh, in the industry on the platforms that you want to be in. Thank you very much. Let's move on to Marco. Marco, statement number one, use permission-based content and be GDPR compliant. Get permission from your recipients to send them marketing content. Aha. This goes back a little bit to my question to Jason of how do you know how often they want or how they want to be reached or what kind of content they want. Marco, please talk to us. Yeah, absolutely. I, I believe that sharing content, and I'm going to take one word that Jason used, which, which is to be authentic, and takes me to another word that is humanize the conversation, right? So at the end, uh, we are using one mean that is digital, which is social media, for instance, to establish relationships with people. And we forget that we're establishing relationships with people sometimes, right? I mean, we feel that we are just you know, dropping content and sometimes with not so much sense or strategy behind it uh, to, to our audiences. And probably we are, we're forgetting that the most important thing to hear is to resonate into our audiences with content that is relevant. Therefore, if we are just sharing content, uh, selling something to the audience, we are not really delivering value to them. If we don't deliver value to them, we are not going to have a, an audience that is engaged with our content and therefore happy and open to have conversations with us. So GDPR is, is another reason, it's the legal reason why, but probably not the most important reason, right? But now we have bo both projects. Well, it's illegal to do it, <laughs> but actually it makes more sense to do it uh, when you are actually delivering value that delivers content, uh, content that delivers value, I'm sorry, and, uh, and value that it actually is actionable for for, for the audience that you are that you're pursuing right thank you very much good first round let's go to our second round jason i'm looking at your statement number three because your statement number two leads into it i think this is a good one so jason says add context listen up everyone important here we're giving away secrets here they're not going to be secrets much longer simply copying and posting links on social media is not an effective content curation i want to wag my finger at them jason give context to your curated content to showcase your own thought leadership jason what's going on here talk to me okay so I am definitely someone that has done this in the past and 59% of people on social uh, will share content without reading the article. Uh, so, and, and I'm definitely guilty of this. I'm sure we all have reshared or liked a piece of content or, you know, uh, that we haven't taken a look at, but regardless, there's a couple of reasons why you should first of all read content. Uh, it's educational. If it's something that deals with your, with your job, um, it's going to benefit you. So why not? It, it helps to, to build you um, personally. So I think reading content is, is very important. Adding context is what really drives engagement. Um, I, I, I noticed personally, and, and there's all sorts of data that, that backs this up, but when I'm scrolling through and I just see you know, uh, an image with a title and some, a little bit of uh, introductory paragraph of the article on LinkedIn, I'll typically just fire straight past it. But if somebody adds some context, if it's somebody that I, I deem credible, someone that I'm interested in, 
Um, and also if it's catchy, right, it depends. Uh, Brandon does a lot of cool stuff when he publishes, uh, like adding spaces. So like he'll leave one line and then it's kind of like a cliffhanger. You have to like click see more to read the rest. And I've got another guy named Robert Nope. He's a consultant that we work with. He does the same thing. Um, and he does typically text posts, but um, adding context is going to help drive engagement because it, it, it gives people an idea of what you're, how you're positioning this piece of content. Because most of the time, people aren't going to click on it and go read the article. People don't have the three minutes or six minutes it takes to read an article. Uh, they don't have the attention span, uh, first and foremost. But second of all, ain't nobody got time for that. So uh, just adding some context, I think, really helps drive engagement and helps you know uh, position yourself on that piece of content, what your thoughts are. And I typically will do... You know, a lot of the times I'll pull out a snippet of an article, maybe a statistic or something that I found interesting um, to do that. And there's some cool AI tools that, that can help with that as well to help you uh, create a content starter. Uh, but yeah, I always, always recommend, even though sometimes I'm guilty of, of not doing it, reading the article and adding a bit of context before you share. And, and uh, Jason, is context in regard to a particular person you want to pay attention to it? Uh, I, I have, uh, for example, uh, there's somebody I know is looking for this right now and you know who you are and here's an article you might enjoy or is it? Oh, con- yeah, con- that's, so, so that's one way, right? That's a, that's a really one-to-one engagement mm-hmm. at that point. You know, maybe I find an article about, you know, digital selling in a channel environment. And I could share that to LinkedIn and say, hey, Marco, check out this really cool article I just read. It's got a bunch of great data points that you could go back to your partners, you know, in, in, at SAP and talk to them about how they can elevate their game through the use of, of digital selling. So that's one way to do it. But to be more generalized would be, uh, you know, check out this great article about Pepsi's mishap and how they owe a bunch of money because they, they miss misspoke uh and this was just recently it was a funny article that i that i shared but yeah there's there's a couple different ways you can add context thank you very much let's move to statement number two this is a provocative one which we expect from brandon brandon says the second you left let your foot off the gas as the second your competition passes you by and brandon says this is this is lessons for life brandon he says use the quiet hours of the morning to get the most creative work out of the way before the rest of the world is in need of your attention. Bam, slam, media, demands for this, 20 podcasts you want to watch, meetings, Zoom calls. Yes, the world is going to, and in our global world, Brandon, it's 24-7. I, I get messages at 2 o'clock in the morning when I'm, I'm just dozing off to sleep. I'm here on the East Coast of the U.S. and people in Europe, it's 9 o'clock in the morning and they're raring to go. Okay, Brandon, what do we mean by all of this, the hours of the morning? What should you do? Yeah, a lot of authors, when I wanted to become an author, just like my, my previous quote where I mentioned, you know, find the people who are successful and model them. The majority of them said you have to write every day and the majority... I think like it was 92%. They all wrote in the morning. So, uh, you know, t- a decade ago, I, I set my resume to wake up at 5 a.m. or 4.45 a.m. and then start working out or writing at 5 a.m. Now I just wake up at 4.40 a.m. I, I write from 5 to 7 a.m. And then I'll work out from 7 to 8 and then I'll start work. Um, so every day, like whether it's the morning or the evening, time block sometime in your day for content creation or curation or else it's just not going to get done. I wanted to do a bunch of writing late last night on a course that we're creating. And 
you know, by the end of the day, 8, 9 p.m., I'm tired because I was up at 4.45 the day before and in back-to-back meetings all day, and I didn't work on the course. So it's like, you know, you, you try to create a schedule, stick to it every day. For me and a lot of, like, uh, writers who I've learned from who are very successful content creators, they do the morning before anything. You know, they shut down email, they shut down phones, and they just, boom, I'm in the zone. I'm going to mind map and I'm going to write. And that, that worked amazing for me, and I, I hope it helps you. Uh, I don't care when you do it, but re- highly recommend blocking out uh, time every day. Brandon, do you schedule your sleep hours? I'm curious because it sounds like you're packing the clock. Do you actually say, by 11 o'clock, I will be at least in bed with at least the lights off with no games on my tablet next to my – see, I, I use words with friends. I save that till about midnight every night, and I use it to drain my brain of whatever energy is there. Sometimes I have between 10 and 25 games waiting for me with people who are all very active. I have sometimes 10 games with one person, and I will just – Focus on it until my eyes shut and I'm starting to drop the iPad, which is heavy, and then I put it down, turn off the light, and I'm out cold. That's my sleeping pill. It's brain drain. But do you schedule your sleep hours, Brandon? Do you? I'm curious because you're obviously a type quadruple A. I think we can invent a new category. I think you all are. So how, how do you manage the sleep in this 24-7 on world, Brandon? Uh, you have to have a good partner. My fiance forces me to shut it down at a certain point. Uh, so she's amazing. Uh, the problem is, is when she's traveling, I go on work benders of like eight, you know, 20 hour shifts and uh, which is what I did yesterday, of course, because she's traveling uh, today and yesterday. But uh, yeah, no, what I, what I do is uh, I love the shows like Billions and Secession and all these like oh, success yeah. building shows. Yeah. So at the end of the day, I'll uh, put on a show for like half hour, hour and then hopefully pass out. Uh, the problem is those shows then get me motivated to to get back to work. So it's a it's a love hate relationship uh, with that. I'm still Thank trying you. to figure it out. I heard meditation does wonders, so maybe I'll start meditating. Try words I'm, with try words with friends. I'll be happy to play with you. When you get a really awesome. challenging person who's always beating you, you're always up, and it'll just whoosh, take everything out and bingo, you're gone, you're asleep. But I'm glad you have a partner who understands that and we'll have to be there for you when she's not around. So we'll, there we we'll, go. we'll, yeah, we'll all email you. You tell us when Brandon, go. we're all Marco and Jason and Bonnie, we're all going to say, Brandon, go to sleep. It's time. You did enough today. Let me move on to a statement from Marco. Our guy is Marco. I'm looking at statement number three. This is interesting. You say initiate and engage in relevant conversations where you can add value. This is a packed statement. There's a, a lot of instruction here and I want you to clarify all of the parts of the sentence for us. So, Marco, what do you see? Sure. I, I believe that sharing content should serve to something bigger than just sharing content, right? It, it, when, when you're doing that, it's because you have a strategy behind it, right? You want, to, you want to become a top leader. You want to be an influencer for a specific niche, a group of people that share certain characteristics. And, and, and the only way to really achieve that objective, which is becoming an influencer, a top leader, is establish your personal brand, establish the niche, and therefore the value that you can add uh, in, in the conversations that you are having into that specific group, right? So then uh, you, you need to share valuable and actionable content as much as you can 
You know, it's not just about putting out a generic nonsense stuff that you know, as it could be just in, inspiring quotes or or colorful pictures. You know, it has to it has to be value in there. So what I suggest always is to constantly be giving people advice that they can action within their own life. You know, even small bites count a million. So people are going to be attracted to you because of your brand, but they are going to stay with you because of what they can get out of you. Right, so there, there should be a strategy behind it. You should deliver value as much as you can. And one way to deliver value is to let people know how they can action or, or how they can make action on their lives using the content or, or the topics that you are sharing to them, right? Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Good rule. And let's move around. And relevant is, is so subjective, Marco. It really is what's relevant today, what's relevant tomorrow, breaking news, whatever people's emotional engagement is with what's happening around the world. Anything happens, a disaster, a tragedy, a business in, a business out. And so relevant really means staying on your toes, doesn't it? Uh, Marco, it really means keeping an eye on what's happening around you and around the lives of the people who you're relating to, the people you're trying to be relevant to. Am I right about that, Marco? Absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, definitely that's what I meant when I said that the actionable content that you share should be relevant to them, right? So if, if they find that everything that you're sharing is just generic content that doesn't make any difference to their lives, in, yep. in any sense, business-related, personal-related, in any sense, right? Definitely, the, the way in how you are sharing that content and, and, and the content itself is irrelevant to them, and therefore, you are irrelevant to them as well, right? as hard as it sounds, right? So it's better to be more careful, as Jason mentioned, you know, yes. provide some context to the content that you're sharing, add some extra value. Even just the context is value because with the tons of information that it's out there, just the help of somebody that is an expert matter in certain topics, giving you a hint of what you can get in, in one article, that's enough enough help that you can get, right? And, and definitely something that you value when you are trying to learn, uh, you know, find content and action that content into what you do, right? Thank you, Marco. What a great panel we have today. I'm enjoying these secrets and these tips. I think they apply to anything we want to do in life, not just digital selling. We're all selling something, right? We're selling be my friend or join my club or read my blog, even if it's not a company, a software product, a book behind it. Uh, and by the way, Brandon, I have to tell you, uh, if my listeners could see our screens, you have got the most branded virtual background I've ever seen. He's got a huge monitor. It looks to me like it's at least, I don't know, I've got two tw three twenty-seven inches on my desk, at least a 27, and his name in all capital letters, Brandon Bornance, with his digital signature behind it on a blue screen, and then he's got his book on the desk which he held up before for us. And I want to congratulate you, Brandon. You left no detail to chance here. And he's holding up the book again. <laughs> this is the first time I've seen anything like that. So thank you. Let's go to Jason Taylor. I've got your statement number four up here. This is interesting. Everybody get out your pencils. We're going to do some math. He says there's a 4-1-1 rule. So it's 4-1-1. I'm not even going to read it. I want you to explain it. Jason, I'll let you do this higher math for us. Jason Taylor, go ahead. 411, yeah, what is it? not a problem. And just to, just to piggyback off of Marcos, and uh, well, and your statement about Brandon. Brandon, you, your background does look fantastic. Uh, Marco, <laughs> uh, so know your audience, read the content, add value, add context, right? Those are, those are like everything that Marco just said, those are three things that will help do that. Um, all right, let's talk about the 411 rule. Uh, Kristen Lawrence, our VP of Client Success, 
she came kind of coined this. I don't know that she was the first person ever to come up with this, but the idea college, which is wild by the way. Yeah. Oh, you across the country. Love that. So I I've known Brandon for a while. We have mutual friend, Mark that I used to work with that he went to college with and Kristen's husband, Adam went to, to school there as well. Um, so the 411 rule is uh, it's it's essentially uh, six pieces of content. Out of those six pieces of content, you should share four pieces that are thought leadership or third party in nature. One should be sales collateral, which this is what I would typically call like corporate marketing assets. And one should be humanizing, right? It, it could be uh, me drinking a beer with my friends at a at a baseball game, right? And and it's. It's really about building that thought leadership and credibility through this third party content that you're curating, um, adding context, knowing your audience and adding the context that would best resonate with them. Um, the one piece is sales collateral. Hey, I've shared a bunch of value adding. I love how Marco, he just, he's reiterating the fact that value add is very important, adding value to the conversation. Um, so. I've earned that by sharing four pieces of thought leadership content. I can share a piece of sales content and my audience isn't going to be upset about it. And the last piece is the humanizing aspect of things. Marco brought this up as well. Being authentic is very important and, and humanizing, understanding that, hey, I'm not just a guy that sells software. I have kids, you know, I'm from Michigan. I live in the South now. I'm a Michigan turned Southerner. Um, you know, I enjoy the outdoors. I love to hike and camp and, you know, I've got a dog, like, this is all stuff that helps me relate and connect with folks. Um, and there's another rule that I wanted to throw in here. It doesn't have to relate to content curation. It's more about digital selling. It's a three by three rule. And this is another thing that I live by is before I'm engaging with someone on social, before I'm engaging with someone in a phone conversation or jumping on a demo with somebody I haven't met, I take three minutes to look at their profile and I learn three things about them. And I use that in the conversation. Perfect. So I'll, I'll close on that. Jason, I think that rule goes way back. That goes way back to when we all started this years ago, I think. It was find out about, I remember being advised if you're something as simple as if you're applying for a job, find mm -hmm. out about the recruiter, find out about the company. Uh, does the recruiter live near you? Do they have a dog? Are they a Knicks fan or, or whoever was playing at the time? Uh, find out something to relate. And that relatability is context, right? It's context. We're both people and we have something in common. I transplanted from New York to North Carolina. You're from Michigan to North Carolina. So you and I have that in common. And we all have in common, we all know how to use Zoom and we all like to talk. So there we go. There we, there we go. Brandon, I'm looking at your statement number four. This is a reality check. Everybody needs to understand this. He's, I'll read a little bit and then I'll have you do it. And then Marco, we have time for one more from you. Statement number four from Brandon. Writing is hard. Talking isn't okay. I think we're living and breathing that one. Record everything. Transcribe it and cheaply outsource or have a content writer piece together your voice. Focus on money-making activities. I'm going to stop there. This is so packed, Brandon. So why don't you take about two minutes so we can have a little bit of time for one more from Marco, and then we're going to do 30-second predictions at the end. Brandon, what's this all about? Yeah, and, and I love Marco's feedback about value and, and Jason's three-by-three. Three. Those are strategies that are just absolutely critical here. But um, hey, every day, you're an expert. We're all experts at something. The, the problem is, is we, we don't realize we're experts and we don't document our expertise. 
So when I realized that four years ago, and this is what Gary Vee does, this is what like all the top influencers do. They they just document and record everything they do. So I hired video people. I record it myself. Everything I do pretty much almost every hour of every day, I'm trying to record because I'm worried I'm going to have this one insight or idea or strategy or recommendation or secret or tip that I don't document and I lose forever. Uh, so I record everything I do and then I transcribe it using AI or automation. There's a lot of different platforms out there that could transcribe everything you record very cheaply. And then you could slice up what you're talking about. So for example, I have a daily standup for every division in my company. Sales for 30 minutes, marketing, customer success, uh, you know, uh, operations, engineering, all of those are recorded. Each one of those department standups, we're going over different strategies, tactics, secrets, uh, and best practices and playbooks. Well, those can then be transcribed and put into industry playbooks, strategies, topics, content that's being curated across all the social media platforms. So my recommendation is to document everything you do. Also, if you're driving or wherever you're going, like, and you have thoughts about different topics that you want to document, just start talking on the phone and record yourself. I mean, a lot of like all of my books were ideas that I recorded on quick vo voice iPhone and then transcribed and then expanded or condensed. Uh, you want to document all of your stories and things that you learn every single day. Thank you very much. I think we need a part two for the show. We're just barely scratching the surface. This is great content. Marco, I'm looking at your number four. We just have time for this and then a quick 30-second prediction from each of you, Jason, then Brandon, then Marco. Marco says in number four, master one or two maximum social media platforms, and if possible, use content sharing automation tools. This is good. Marco, take about ooh, 90 seconds for this. We're almost out of time. Go ahead, Marco. Right, yeah, that, that's a great approach in my opinion. At least it works for me because it's normal that the first people approach is trying uh, to use all social channels that exist to spread out the word, right? But what ends up happening is that uh, we go too, too thick, right? It's spending thousands of time administra administration and getting the value of, of our content just diluted, right? So definitely uh, it's fair to say that we have to be as much as possible in all the social media, but getting to know one of those, in my case, LinkedIn, for example, I make sure that I really have a well-crafted profile, which is my landing page, is my logo, is my, is my brand, right? And I master LinkedIn, and I know that all the people is going to be sent from other social media, like Twitter, Instagram, or whatever, to my LinkedIn profile, where all the content is going to be consumed, and where all the content is well-crafted, and that makes sense. <laughs> so uh, that's my recommendation. My recommendation is uh, try to master one, two, max social media, depending of your niche, right? If you are in B2B as, as myself, maybe you, you may like to be on LinkedIn and, and Twitter, but there are different options and possibilities, of course. And using great uh, content sharing tools will automate your work. It's going to make more easy uh, to, to share the content and, and, and you will not expend tons of time uh, with something that can be done automatically by using good tools as it could be Grapevine 6, you know, and Jason can say hello on that one, right? <laughs> but uh, uh, definitely that's, that's, that's something I do. It's my best practice. I just dedicate one hour a week to have uh, to put in place my, my content sharing strategy. I work for one hour selecting the content that I want to deliver every day along the week. 
just one hour with my nice coffee uh, at my side. And then I make sure that I have backing me up uh, a good strategy behind that I can, of course, uh, complement with, with something that I can share myself along the way without the need to be online all the time, right? Thank you, Marco. Appreciate it. We've got about two and a half minutes left to the show, and I want to make sure we squeeze in a prediction. So instead of giving you 60 seconds or 90 seconds or 22.3 seconds, I think we'll make it one sentence, predict what will change, let's say by the end of 2020 or 2021. I don't think we need to go too far out on this one about the concept of marketing curation, content curation, content creation for digital selling for anybody, anywhere, anytime, anyhow. Jason Taylor, what's your one sentence? Well, two sentences. What's your your famous prediction you want to be known for? Go ahead, Jason. So as it pertains to content curation, um, I think the use of AI in, in tools like the Grapevine 6 platform uh, to go out and find content is going to be more and more prevalent because content is king. It's it's time consuming to go out and curate. So using something that that can help automate that is, is definitely going to be... Um, coming. Great prediction. Let's go to Brandon Bernanson. What do you predict? Look into that crystal ball. I don't see it behind you. We need a crystal ball behind you. I have a disco ball I can loan you next time. Go ahead, Brandon. Uh, Similar to Jason, I think technology is going to make content creation much easier, whether it's uh, like being able to create your own TV show with literally a Zoom background and there's different technology to do that. I think the technology and and innovation will allow anyone to become a content creator with like no studio, just out of their home. And that's really exciting. I've been using Amiibo camera for my TV shows here in my living room. I turned it into a TV set and since the pandemic, I'm now doing Zoom shows, recording them on Zoom and editing them in iMovie, adding the front end, the back end, a little bit of editing. The trouble is sometimes the Zoom call goes for an hour and my show only requires uh, 29 minutes and 30 seconds of content with with the intro and the outro. And that leaves me with, I can only use about 27 minutes of actual. So I have to take 45 minutes and spend three hours condensing it down into 20. Talk too much. Marco Arguez, what's your prediction? I saved time for you. Go ahead. I believe that what Jason and Brandon summarized pretty well what I could say in terms of what's coming in terms of technology, but probably the only that I can add on top of that is that since it's very easy to create content now, take care of the tone, be honest, and create quality content is going to make the difference the next year and, and so on, right? Thank so you very much. It's not just Marco. about to share, but doing go ahead, it well, go ahead. right? Finish I just want to say that it's not only to create and share content, but doing it well and wise, right? I apologize for interrupting. I'm getting messages from Aaron. We got 30 seconds left, and now we got 22 seconds left. I want to say thank you, Jason Taylor at Grapevine 6. So happy to have you on, and I love seeing everybody on Zoom. Brandon Bernanson, keep that great background, and you probably have five more books on your desk next time we meet because you're probably writing them right now in your head. And Marco Aguez at SAP, let's get you on live video next time. We love the picture and the glasses. you got to wear them. Shout out to AJ. AJ stands for Arif Johari at SAP, who does such a Splendid job putting together panels and topics. Everybody's giving them a thumbs up. Series sponsor, Kirsten Boylow, season six. Thank you, Kirsten. Hope you and your family well. Aaron, engineer extraordinaire at World Talk Radio, the business channel, my favorite engineer. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and here's my call to action. Everybody put your thumbs up. Fasten your seatbelt. I don't know about you, but my car is still getting three months to the gallon. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Changing the Game with Digital Selling, presented by SAP, the best-run SAP. 
To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Tuesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.